Good morning. Welcome to worship. Our gospel today is from the first chapter of Luke, beginning at verse 39. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you amongst women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and now on all generations will call, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. And he has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. And he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and has sent the rich away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, even as he said to our fathers. This is the gospel of our Lord. I invite you to pray with me this morning, uh, Holy Spirit prayer, in our time of meditation together today. Come Holy Spirit and fill the hearts of our, your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit, who instructs the hearts of the faithful, granted by that same Holy Spirit, we may be made truly wise and ever rejoice in your consolations. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. One of my daughters is enrolled in a seminary in the Chicago area. To protect the innocent, I will leave her name unnamed, and I will, I will not name the seminary because it's not a Lutheran seminary. <laughs> it is a mainline denominational seminary, though, I can tell you that. This past week was finals week for her and for all of the other students at the seminary. And she had multiple writing assignments this week. And I, 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 I misspoke last night when I told the congregation that she had to write a 24-page Christology paper, because that wasn't true. That was one of many papers she had to write. She had to write three papers. She had to write a five-page paper, a 12-page paper, and a 24-page paper. And the 24-page paper was not the Christology paper. It was actually the 12-page paper that was the Christology. But basically what that means is, is that she was asked, she was given the assignment to write a 12-page paper about who she believed Jesus was to her. How would you like to do that? How would you like to have the assignment to write a 12-page paper about who Jesus is to you? Sounds a little bit daunting, does it not? Well, I do know, I can say, I think, with some pretty strong confidence that I know a little bit about my daughter's understanding of who Christ is for her. We've had multiple conversations over these last 
several years. And I know that at the core of her belief in Jesus Christ, that she believes that Jesus is the Messiah who came into the world in the person of Jesus to bring redemption and to bring restoration, to bring salvation and to bring wholeness into a world that is filled and was filled with brokenness and injustice and decay. But I also know enough about her spirit within her and how passionate she is about her faith. I also know that part of her belief is that she also believes that, that the Christ, Jesus, is still in the process of coming even now through the witness of the church. And she believes strongly that one of those voices is that the, 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 the voice of Christ that is speaking through the church is calling for justice and equality and restoration, not only for the earth, but also for humanity itself. And boy, does humanity need some restoration. The humanity that we see in our midst is not the humanity that God had intended for us to be. And I also know that a part of her Christology, part of her understanding of who Jesus is to her, is that she believes in God's divine reversal. That the God that she believes in, the Christ, the Messiah, that God, through a divine reversal, will come again someday and make all things new. You know, there is a, there's a lot of imagery, there's a lot of thought-provoking images and things to contemplate in this beautiful passage from the gospel account today. One of the things that I think we need to note is that this is a female-dominated passage. There's only two people in this text today, and they're both women. That in and of itself is pretty phenomenal, considering the fact that women didn't have much status back in the day. This passage that we hear today, it only comes around every three years in our lectionary cycle. It's too bad because there is a wealth of, of uh, insight in this text that could be gleaned. We, we could go off on all different kinds of themes with this passage And part of this divine reversal that I think is important for us to think about today is the fact that God continually surprises the world. And you've heard me say this before, but I think it's worth saying again and again and again that God continually surprises the world by coming to and working through the lives of those people who are the least amongst us. I think that's something that we need to continually be reminding ourselves of, is that God is always, almost always working through, not, 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 not always, but I mean, for the most part, God is working through people who are the least amongst us. And today is a prime example of that. Mary, an unwed, pregnant 14-year-old girl, who we hear is now heading up to the hill country to visit with her elder cousin Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is significantly older than her. And we know that up until this, just recently, that Elizabeth has been barren her entire life. She has not had a child yet. And into her older years, she is now pregnant. As a matter of fact, if you read the scriptures just a few passages prior to the text today, 
you would hear that she was about six months along when Mary came to visit her. And yet she would also, Elizabeth would also give birth to a son who would be a part of God's surprise to the world. And we all know who that is, right? Prepare the way of the Lord, John the Baptist. Yeah, he's the one. He's the one that uh, Elizabeth bore. And then, of course, in a few days from now, we're going to be hearing the birth account again. And who are the very first people in the world to hear about the birth of Jesus in the world? The shepherds. The least and the lowest of all people in society and culture. God's divine reversal. God continually reminds the world and surprises the world by coming to and working through the lives of those who are least amongst us. In many respects, these words that we hear from Mary in verses 46 through 55, they are very much Mary's expression of who God is to her. It's part of her Godology. It's part of her Christology in a certain sense. It's part of her theological statement to the world. And in, a, in, in very much, it is actually, in the best sense of the word, it is a prophetic word that Mary speaks because, they, because these words that she speaks, she speaks of what is going to happen. And she also speaks of what has happened and these words spoken from the mouth of a mere child, a 14-year-old girl, they are words of hope and they are words of promise. And they are prophetic words. And that's one of the reasons why I find them to be so hopeful and so inspiring in my understanding of who God is to me. And I think it's, I think it's worth hearing them again. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. And holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And he has shown strength in his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones. He has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things. And he has sent the rich away empty. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. According to the promise that he made, to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Those are prophetic, inspiring words about God's divine reversal. Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor, she's an Episcopal priest. She's done a lot of writing. And she, op- she, she offers this insight in this observation. She says that Mary describes these divine reversals as if they have already happened He has brought down, he has filled, he has sent. And she further writes, she says that prophets almost never get their verb tense right because part of their gift, part of the gift of being a prophet is being able to see the world as God sees it. I think that's important for us to remember 
that the, one of the gifts of a prophet is that they are able to see the world as God sees it. Not divided into things that are already over and things that have already happened, yet as an eternally unfolding mystery that surprises everyone. I love that imagery. Think about that. As this, internal, this eternally unfolding mystery that surprises everyone. Another one of the prophets that we heard just a couple weeks ago was the prophet Isaiah. What did he say? Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Every valley shall be filled. Every mountain shall be made low. Every crooked made straight. And the rough places made smooth. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. The gift of prophets. The gift of prophets. To be able to see the world as God sees it. As God had originally intended the world to be. And we currently don't live anywhere near the reality of a world that God had originally intended it to be. That phrase that I keep hearing ringing through my ears this week is that phrase, divine reversal. I think it's something that we should think about more often, this divine reversal. It popped up in our men's fellowship this past Tuesday. It rang out in Pastor Al's Bible study on Thursday. It was read just to you now, and as I read it earlier this week from Reverend Barbara Brown Taylor, this divine reversal that everything has to do with being able to see the world as God sees it, as something that is eternally unfolding the mystery that surprises everyone. I don't know what you believe. Because I maybe, maybe that's something that we should... Maybe that should be our assignment. Maybe our assignment should be... And may, maybe we'll cut it down. Maybe we'll say everybody should write a, maybe a five-page paper rather than a 12-page paper. But Well, maybe I'll, maybe I'll say three. How about three? Can you handle three? Half a page? Oh, my goodness. Come on, folks, you can be more creative than that. But one of the things that I believe is that the day is coming. The day is coming. And I, you know, whether it happens in my lifetime or not, the day is coming when Jesus will come again. When Christ the Messiah will come again. And all of this foolishness and all of this falsehood will be brought into the light and the truth about the tyranny of this world will be ultimately revealed. And all of those things that God and all these prophets have been saying all along about everything being laid low and all the valleys being uplifted and the rough places plain and the roads made straight, that's when Jesus comes back and he says, this is the way I always intended this world to be. And you human beings have screwed it up. And you have screwed it up royally. I quoted Kent Knudsen many, many times. Former bishop of the ALC back in the 1970s. And I want to remind you again of what he says about faith. He says that faith is becoming aware of God's love, trusting in God's love, responding to God's love, and being grateful for God's love. That is to him what faith in Jesus is. 
becoming aware of God's love, trusting in God's love, responding to God's love, and being grateful for God's love. God's love on this day in which we celebrate God's great love for the world, of bringing Jesus Christ into the world, that's how God revealed God's love to us is in the person of Jesus Christ. He surprised the world with a baby boy. Pastor Al, in his Bible study this past week, said something quite profound. I don't know if he was quoting somebody. Maybe, perhaps he was. I don't know. But he said, if God can be born in a stable, then God can be born anywhere. And that is the great divine reversal. One of the primary reasons why we gather in this space every week is to be reminded of God's gracious generous love for us in the person of Jesus. And we also gather to be reminded that Jesus came into the world to help us, help us, to help us to see the world as God sees it. And Jesus helps us to see God's divine reversal, those places in our daily walk of faith where God can be born anywhere. Those places where we are continually are to be looking for and calling for a restored world, a restored humanity, the way that God had intended it to be. All of our Advent messages this year have pointed us to a future hope, a hope where all flesh shall see the salvation of God that day is still coming. It has already happened. It is currently happening. And it is going to happen again. And may we have the eyes to see as God sees. And may we be able to see the surprise of God's eternal unfolding mystery. So anybody here interested in taking on that assignment of writing a paper on their Christology? Let me give you a few pointers, and then I'll be done. This might be a way to start. I believe in Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, who came into the world in the person of Jesus to bring redemption, restoration, salvation, and wholeness to a world filled with brokenness, injustice, and decay. I believe in the Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, who is still in the process of coming even now through the witness of the church, calling for justice, equality, and restoration of the earth and for the restoration of all of humanity as God has intended it to be all along. And I believe in the Christ, the Messiah, Emmanuel, God with us, who will come again in a divine reversal, and God in Christ will again make all things new. Amen. I invite you to join me now as we pray the prayer our Lord has taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Our closing hymn as we go from here, Go, my children, with my blessing.